Welcome back to Hug Your People. This is Kevin, episode 42. I took a little over a month off from the podcast thing, so we're back. I want to talk about the one-year anniversary coming up on March 22nd, and also what we've been up to for the last month uh, with Baxley and Hug Your People and everything else. So welcome back, episode 42. Welcome back to Hug Your People, episode 42. It's been a while. Uh, I think my last posting, uh, podcast posting, was on February 6th, uh, 2020. It's now March 9th, so I want to catch you up on what we've been up to and, and kind of where we've been. I think the last posting was during our radiation vacation in, uh, in Charleston for um, radiation treatment for backs, and so we obviously finished that. Um, we were gearing up for his fifth birthday party. And it was just, it was an amazing time with friends and family. Um, and, and so on February 25th, he turned five years old and um, he was really excited about being five and not four anymore. Um, and he's, he's gotten into video gaming since we've been, um, really since, I guess, since Christmas. He, he's been into it, but now he's, he's really into playing them. And so what we wanted to do was just do something that he loves the most. And a lot of the video game stuff comes from, you know, being in hospitals for as long as we've been and, you know, being in the wagon so long, like he's got to do something with his time. And I'll talk about screen time later. But so we uh, we rented out a room at Dave and Buster's. If you're not familiar with Dave and Buster's, it's basically a giant arcade um, with a restaurant in it. And um, we invited his friends, our family. All the kids got unlimited game passes. And we had a bu- little buffet of, of pizza and hot dogs and hamburgers and all the kid food, you know, all the stuff you want as a kid when you're playing video games, right? <laughs> And so, um, so it was really a great time. And the funniest part is my wife and I were talking about when do we go because of his immune system, you know, being in flux all the time where, um, you know, germs and bacteria are definitely a, a challenge. So we booked the room at 11 a.m. on Sunday and that, um, <laughs> so we were the only ones there for a while and then a few more people showed up, but booking it during church on a Sunday really lowered the risk of, uh, other other kids' germs being in in play. They clean the machines every day um, at the end of the day and at the start of the day. And so uh, it really was the safest time for us to go. And everyone had a blast. It was just so much fun. Um, one of the things I noticed about his birthday was that um, all the parents were out playing with their kids. They were playing video games with their kids. And uh, mainly because it's a public area. It's not, you know, private. It's not roped off or anything like that. You know, anybody can come in and out. Um, so there's a safety element to that, but I think the byproduct of that safety was that parents were out playing with their kids and other kids and seeing kids interact and play with each other. And it was just really this, uh, this very, very good day for us to celebrate backs turning five. Um, and so, and so that, that was late in February. We, we geared up towards that after radiation backs kind of went, um, he kind of had a couple weeks of low blood count after radiation, so we couldn't get treatment, but we still had to go to Charleston. And so we were happy that the birthday party was still on. So that was, that was really good. So it was, it was great celebrating his birthday with, with the people we love. Um, after that, I think we hit, um, after his birthday, uh, he was obviously tired, but we did hit a, a night where we had fever. And so we had to go to the ER and that put us in the emergency room for two days um, and just to recap and refresh, Baxley, anytime he gets a 100.4 fever, so that's a very mild fever, um, we have to go to the emergency room. We have to draw blood um, and find out what's going on. Um, and then we have to get antibiotics within 60 minutes uh, of the first fever coming on. So 
we were having a, having dinner on a Saturday night one night and, and Baxley was tired, but you know, not showing any signs, not coughing, not sneezing, no, uh, nothing, no, no symptoms. And so I went over to, I was dropping off his dinner, um, dropping off his dinner, like I'm his servant, <laughs> but, but he was sitting on the chair watching TV and we had my, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law over with their family. And so, um, I was taking his, his chicken over to his chair so the kids could watch TV while they eat. And, um, I just kind of touched his head and it felt hot. So I took his temperature and he was at 101.4 at that point. So we, um, when that happens, we have, we, we're supposed to have ready bags, but, and we have kind of everything ready, but you know, we had to snap into action. And in about 20 minutes, we had the whole family packed up for three days in the car and we were headed to the emergency room. Needless to say, dinner that night was canceled um, for us anyway. Um, and so we went to the ER and, you know, the challenging part with a pediatric cancer patient going to a regular ER, the first part is you have to call your oncologist in Charleston and wherever your oncologist, ours is in Charleston. So you have to call your oncologist. They have to communicate with the ER and tell the ER what they want done. Um, so that happens while we're on our way there. We get to the ER and Baxley can't go in and just wait in the waiting room. So Baxley can't go into the waiting room because of germs and, and bacteria, things like that. And so we have to, I send my wife in, she lets them know we're here. They get the room ready. Uh, and then we send Bax in and he goes right back to a, a private room. He can't do any triage in public places, anything like that. You can imagine, um, especially this time of year you know, with the flu and everything else going on. Um, the ER can be a dangerous place for a kid with cancer. So we went to the ER and this is where it gets challenging because ERs, and it's unreasonable for us to expect them to be equipped to deal with this on a high volume, but um, they don't get a lot of practice with, with pediatrics, um, accessing a port and things like that. So we have specific guidelines from our oncologists as what to allow. And, and uh, honestly, it's a stressful time when we do this because we have to we have to educate the nurses and the nurses know a lot already. And so it's really this, I don't want to say a power struggle, but it is this period of time where we know what to do because we've been doing this for 50 weeks. And so we know what needs to be done. We know what size power port needle he needs. We know that uh, what kind of things should be going in and we know how to access the port as far as, you know, he's positional, meaning sometimes blood won't come out of his port. So you got to move him around a little bit, his arms and things like that. Sometimes you just got to give it a good flush. And so we know all these things. And so I, the ER docs and nurses are, are probably used to dealing with people who don't know as much as we do, um, especially about our, our son. And so it's, it's sort of a period of adjustment for everybody of, um, you know, and once you start talking the language, most nurses are completely okay. Same with doctors, completely okay with us knowing as much as we know. And they're sympathetic and empathetic and um, they, they allow space for us all to coexist in what we know and what we like. Um, it does help that they're speaking with our doctors down in Charleston as well. But for this particular night, the, accessing the port was, was a challenge. And the rules that we have are if you stick twice and we don't have access, we go somewhere else. or so we ask for a new nurse and that's not to be rude. It's just, you know, it's traumatic for Baxley. It doesn't feel great. Um, it's, it's kind of something he doesn't want to do. We generally have to hold him down a little bit. And so after two times of trying, if we don't have a good flow of blood, um, we have to go somewhere else or ask for someone new. So just so happened this time, two or three times, and we had to pull the plug on it. We have to step in and say, this is not going to happen. We got to find another way. So they had to actually do a traditional IV 
on backs, which was not pleasant. Um, it was stressing my wife and I out. And, um, but we ended up, the good news is we ended up, that's what we had to do. We ended up getting blood, um, getting this fever down and we were able to come home late that night. Um, so that was Saturday. Now, when you get the antibiotics, you have to have two rounds. So you do one round of antibiotics the night you get the fever, they get the fever down, tell you to watch him. And then you go back the next day to get another round of antibiotics. But because we couldn't access the port, you know, and one of the things they, they like to do is get blood from the port because the infection could be in the port. So when you're drawing blood from the port, that gives a little safety measure of making sure that's not where it's coming from. So we had to drive to Charleston the next day on Sunday um, to get uh, port access, blood, and more antibiotics. So it was an additional trip to Charleston that we had that week. So it was, um, it ended up being fine, but you can imagine, you know, you're sitting around on Saturday about to have dinner with your family and you get thrown into a, a frantic rush to the ER with your son. And then you have to spend the next day and we couldn't go to Charleston the next day because we were admitted Saturday at around six 30 to get antibiotics to around seven, seven 30. So it has to be 24 hours. So we didn't even have an appointment in Charleston until seven o'clock on Sunday night. So it was, um, it was a long day. It kind of zapped our weekend, but we got back home probably around midnight on Sunday and then started our week. So that's kind of how it goes with, uh, with the, with cancer and the things that we do. It is kind of, you've got to kind of be up for anything and we made the best of it and we, we would do it again if we need, if we had to, we certainly don't want to, but that's why we're kind of careful around the kids that come in our house, the people that come in our house, you know, if you're any sniffle or cough, you can't come in. That's just a rule. And, um, anytime it's, it's funny, my wife and I are talking, we're like, we're totally the parents that anytime someone sneezes or coughs, we completely turn around and look at them. And I won't say we judge them, but we kind of make our own assessment of what's going on and decide whether they need to stay or go simply because Baxley's uh, blood count goes up and down, uh, each week it seems. And so we have to be really careful of what we're exposing him to. But everything ended up fine. It was it was not a false alarm, but we got his temperature down pretty quick, and uh, he's resilient. He bounced back pretty fast, and so we we carried on from that. So that really, we've kind of been laying low. We've kind of been enjoying being at home, and as we get into our treat our maintenance, you know, it's less strenuous as far as the treatment. We don't have any scheduled overnight stays in Charleston. We just go down to um, down once once a week. Um, and they opened the new children's hospital in Charleston. So it's a beautiful facility. So we get to go to the new place now. And, um, and Bax likes that. It's kind of, it's kind of nice that he now says, are we going to the new one or the old one? And we say the new one, he gets excited. And so that's, that's been, um, been a blessing for us too. Um, I was, I'd messaged a couple of times, you know, as we come up on the one year, uh, anniversary for us, you know, we're at 50 weeks this week. Um, so as we, as we come up on this, you know, it just conjures up a lot of emotions and brings up a lot of, a lot of stuff. But, um, there were two doctors on the day we were airlifted that really, um, in my opinion, saved the day. Um, Dr. Behan, who was our pediatrician, who's the one that ordered the final CT scan and the doctor that administered the final, the, C, the final CT scan was Dr. Armstrong, um, at the Conway ER. And those two gentlemen, combined and I was I was messaging Dr. Armstrong and um we both couldn't believe it was it'd been a year. He said he still remembers that day very well and as as I'm sure he knows we do. 
I don't, you know, I certainly don't want to go back and relive that day, but um, life can change very, very quickly. So I think that's where Hug Your People came out of was that idea that one minute, you know, and realistically, like one week we were playing soccer, eating snow cones, and the next week we were in ICU with a tumor and kidney failure, uh, wondering if we'd ever play soccer again. You know, now from then to now, now we know we are, we're going to start school on time. We're going to play soccer again. Everything's going to be fine. But it's in that moment that you really, you go to some pretty dark places, uh, emotionally as a parent, you know, you, you, you really do. And so I think when you see parents who have, or going through some stressful times with their kids, you have to understand a couple of things. One, they're scared to death. Um, and two, they're not in control. And so the learning curve is, is it's kind of like someone throws you off a cliff and you have to learn to fly, you know, and there's always the chance that you won't, you know, there's a good chance that you won't. And so I think that's really where hug your people came from because I was looking back and saying, wow, I'm really glad I did the things I did leading up to March 22nd of last year because I was on the soccer field with backs and I, I didn't miss the game for work. And I didn't say no to the $4 Kona ice that they drive the truck right up to the soccer fields. Um, very clever marketing tactic, by the way. Um, I didn't say no to that. I didn't say no to the, the milkshake. I didn't say no to the all the stuff that you know kids want to do. I, I didn't say, this is not a good Saturday. I'm really thankful for that. And so I think that's really where, where Hug Your People, the idea anyway, where it came from. Um, so... As we do come up on the one year, you know, we've come a long way and we've learned a lot and we've changed a lot. And we're very grateful that we are in the position we're in. We've got a ton of friends that are beating cancer, too. And that's fantastic. We, we love hearing that. Um, but really, the Hug Your People movement has become, you know, I think this past weekend, we um, we raised $9,000, almost $9,000 for Cycle for Survival um, with my friend Marv Nixon in New York. Um, we've raised almost $15,000 so far for Alex's lemonade stand. We've got another 5,000 in donations going back to the Mayo Clinic. Uh, we've, we're on our 23rd wagon that we've been able to give out to kids. Um, we've sold, uh, or sold, I think, uh, people have bought about 400 brave t-shirts. I think that was the number. Um, when we first started, we've shipped over 200 hug your people hats. Um, and, We've got a private Facebook, Hug Your People Facebook group where um, I, I get to talk like this a lot and just share insight on what, what's going on. And so the, the movement itself has become really amazing, an amazing community, an amazing element of support, not only for us, but for other families that we know who are in it. Um, and they see what we're doing and what everybody else is doing, and they feel empowered. They feel empowered to share their story and to... Um, tell people about the struggles and the, the good stuff and all, all the things that, that I think we, we kind of want to keep quiet. Cause I've mentioned this before that the last thing we want to show up is the, is the, the bummer people, you know, where all we talk about is cancer and things like that. And don't get me wrong. That's the most, that's the most important part of our life for the, for the last year. So it's going to come up. I'm not going to shy away from that. Like if you're going to talk to me and have a conversation, cancer is probably going to come up, right? It's just a big part of my life and most people are okay handling it. And if they're not okay, that's not my fault. You know, um, 
So, so we really look at the Hug Your People as being a, a place of empowerment for parents and, and kids and people who just want to be um, kind of look behind the curtain a little bit and see what it is like, you know. And uh, I don't think we have any, I don't think, I don't think we know what it's going to be fully. We know what it is right now and we are very proud of what it is right now. And, um, and I think that'll continue that, that, that will throughout the year. But as we come up on the, on the one year mark, we really turn a corner and we say, okay, now we've got a little bandwidth to really dig deep into this. And so we will be digging deeper into hug your people and how the impact it makes. And we'll be, um, digging into what is this for and who's it help? And does Baxter want to be a part of it or is he, do we just let him does he need to do what he wants to do? And it's always going to be his choice. It's never going to be something that he's required to do. Um, Suzanne and I will be a part of Hug Your People probably for the rest of our lives just because it's important to us. And if Baxley chooses to be a part of it as he gets older, um, that'll be fantastic. Um, either way, he will be the, the main character of, of this story. Um, and so, so I think really the last month off from the podcast was really just to kind of say, okay, am I proud of what we've done Am I proud of the work we've done as as husband and wife, as mother and father? Am I proud of um, you know the people that have that are in our lives? Am I proud of some of standing firm and standing up to people who are no longer in our lives? You know, and saying, "Hey, we're not going to allow that. You you can't you can't come in here and behave the way that you behave." Um, is that something that we're 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 proud of? And I don't know if that's something to be proud of. I think it's just something to recognize that energy is the most important thing we have. And people either contribute to your energy or they detract from your energy. And we've all been around people like that where you just leave the conversation, you're exhausted. And Suzanne and I don't have any room for that right now. Um, we will again someday where we can tolerate more. But right now, 100% of our energy goes to um, providing for our family or beating cancer. That's it. You know, so um, Sue's works. I work. Um, we're both growing our careers and I'm growing my business. And that takes a lot of energy and focus. Um, and then outside of that, we have backs and we've got to give him 100 percent every single day. So there's not really a lot left in the tank at the end of the day for people who don't get that. Luckily, we don't have a lot of people in our lives like that. So it's it's that's kind of what the last month has been for me. Um, I also have a birthday coming up in two days on Wednesday, um, my 46th birthday. So it's always a reflective time of year for me. And I was thinking the other day, I was like, what is different between 36 and 46? The answer is a whole lot. A whole lot is different. And I'm really proud of the growth and I'm really proud of the process and the progress that I've made. And, um, and then that put in perspective of, well, if I can do all that in the last 10 years, what can I do in the next 10? And so the perspective for me was 10 years ago, I had just quit my corporate job and was going to play music all summer um, to kind of breathe out because I'd spent, you know, probably 15, 10, 10 or 12 years in um, corporate hospitality. And I was kind of burnt out, kind of burnt out. Hadn't had many vacations, hadn't had, hadn't made much, you know, didn't have a lot of excess money, but I wanted to play music for a summer and kind of breathe out. So I, I started a band and, and played it uh a couple places around town and um, just enjoyed it. But that was also the period of time where I met my wife. And that was also the period of time where um, I decided what was next. And that was also the period of time where I think my life as it is today started to take shape. Um, 
so I, I did that for a summer, and then the following December, I was offered a job in Philadelphia and, and took that, um, which was a really great opportunity. But so looking back over the last 10 years, it really is like, wow, okay, I, I was able to do a lot in the last 10 years. Knowing what I know now and having the strength I have now, what can I do over the next 10? And that really became an important question for me to address over the last month is what can I do next? And next doesn't have to mean bigger or, you know, anything. It doesn't, it just has to mean what's next. So we typically look back and think that the last 20 years of our life took so long, but the next 20 would go so fast and it's just simple math. And, and we realize how much we can really do with our time left, you know, and 46, I'm under no illusion that that's a young age, but if you really look at it, it's like, wow, I've probably got 40 more years. I probably do. You know, I bike 50 miles a week. I eat relatively well. Um, I have some habits that I don't like, just like everybody else. And, and But for the most part, you know, there's a really good chance that uh, without any kind of major illness or anything like that, that I can really create 40 more years of hug your people. And um, my wife, she's younger than me. She has a lot longer than that. You know, <laughs> she lives a lot better than I do for the most part. So you, you really look at that and you say, okay, well, that's perspective. So when you start talking about the nonprofit and the movement and helping people, what do the next 30 or 40 years look like in Hug Your People? You know, how much can we impact? And it's really exciting for me to think like that. Um, it's really exciting for me to think that Baxley will start school on time and he'll be, a, be able to be a part of that if he wants. Um, it's really exciting for me to meet people that are doing the things that we're doing and they give us hope that it can be done and it will be done. So that's kind of what the last month has been like for me. I wasn't avoiding the podcast. I wasn't avoiding anything. I was just really getting clarity on like, okay, actually probably we'll hear the podcast one day and what's the next message I need him to hear. And that message is you did it, son. You did it. And I hope you keep doing it. And I want you to know that I'm here for you and I'm going to show you because I'm not going to quit just because we win and beat cancer. It doesn't mean we quit impacting lives of people who have it or are fighting it. We stand to really help a lot of people. And through that, we help ourselves because it's important for us to not forget the, the dark places. Because if we don't forget the dark places, we can stop ourselves from going there again. And there were some really deep, dark places when we were first diagnosed around you know last year. And um, those stick with me quite a bit, and I don't want to go back there, um, but I need to acknowledge that they exist. And so as we talk to Baxley more about this and talk to him more about his feelings and as he grows up, and he's growing up at a fast rate because of the things he has to deal with and the conversations we have are not, um, not, not surface anymore, he's still five, but we do have deeper conversations, so... Um, so that's kind of where we sit. I, I hope you'll stay on this ride with us. I hope you'll stay on the journey. And um, I think the biggest thing that I'd like us to do collectively as a community is just to remember that today is going to be good and we've got to make the most of it. And we don't need to micro decide our way out of a good time. All right, there you have it, episode 42. I'll try to do a few more of these as we move into the one-year anniversary of our airlifting and diagnosis and everything like that. Um, I'll be traveling a little bit and speaking. I mean, down in Tampa, 
I'll actually be in Tampa the day before our one year anniversary speaking at Amplify the event uh, for some entrepreneurs down there. And then the next week I'll be in Columbus, Ohio speaking there. And that's part of us spreading our message and that's part of my business and that's part of what we do. So um, the travel is, is going to be here. Uh, it's going to be occasional, but it's not going to be very frequent. So it's uh, I'm excited to get back on the road and do, do what I do. But um, episode 42 of Hug Your People, the message is please hug your people. See you next time.